beautiful morning. Thank you so much for being here. If you're visiting with us, a special welcome to you. Come back and worship with us at every opportunity that you have. You are our honored guest, and we're so blessed to have you here. Hopefully the services this morning have been a blessing to you. It is our desire to worship God and, and edify each other, be a blessing to each other here today. And we certainly pray that that's the case. Also pray that what I say here will be in life. As Ian said, we're going to talk on faith, faithfulness today. We've been talking on the fruit of the Spirit, and I was assigned this particular topic. Galatians 5, very familiar passage of Scripture. We've talked about it for a few weeks now. But the King James Version said, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. I'm going to talk today on faithfulness. It's not exactly there, is it? <laughs> It's not exactly there. If you'll, if you'll notice, the, King, the new King James is slightly different. Some of these words, Ian talked a couple of weeks ago on gentleness, but that word is a little better translation in the new King James than the modern translation is actually kindness. I don't want to put down the King James. I'm not trying to tell you that the King James is not reliable. It is fantastic. Our, our goal here is not to diminish the King James, but in its day, in the King James era, things have changed just a little bit. Ian talked on, on kindness rather than gentleness. And next week, Lord willing, Nathan will talk on meekness or gentle, gentleness. I'll let him uh, address that when he gets there. But today, faith and faith, faithfulness, and which one is it? And why does it even matter? Because after all, being faithful is full of faith, no doubt. So why does it matter? Why the difference? Why did the New King James translators, the ESV, the New American Standard, and all the new modern trans... What's wrong with what it's been for generations and generations? I did not know that the word faithfulness was there. Because I was taught faith. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith meekness, temperance. It was quite a revelation when I finally turned over to another translation, faithfulness. Why? What's the difference? I don't want to spend much time. I don't want to beleaguer the point, but I just want to dwell on this just for a minute because both are correct. Both are correct, and I don't want to diminish one over the other. I'm just going to tell you why I'm talking on faithfulness today. Certainly, we want to be faithful. Faith is fundamental to everything we do. Hebrews 11 and 6, without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We have to have faith. That is fundamental. So what is fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about here in Galatians 5? Let's back up and look at the context. Anytime we have a question about what we're going to talk about, we have to remember context, 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 context. So let's back up a few verses. Verse 16. Apostle Paul said, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, to walk is to move in that direction. I think we can all agree with that. To walk in the Spirit is to move with, move in unison with, in lockstep with the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill, complete the deeds of the flesh, lust of the flesh. Verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh 
and these are contrary to one another so that you can so that you do not do the things that you wish we're talking about two different things here in this entire things we're talking about what we have up here what we wish to do and then what we end up doing He's contrasting the things we wish to do up here for the lust of the flesh that we end up doing the works of the flesh. And he's talking about the thoughts of the spirit. And we end up walking and being led by the spirit. Okay, we're getting closer to the fruit of the spirit. So bear with me just a little bit longer. Now, the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. This is a practice, isn't it? He's not talking about thoughts. Even though thoughts come for those evil lusts come first, but then they're practiced. Then those works of the flesh are manifest, but or rather, or on the contrary, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And I quoted from the old King James. <laughs> but what are we talking about here? What exactly are we talking about here? Fruit of the Spirit. Okay, first let's Examine the, the last sentence. Against such, there is no law. It's not against the law to think anything, ever. So what are we talking here? We're talking about actions. We're talking about what we do. What we do, the fruit of the Spirit is what produced by a my, spiritual mindset. The things that we do as a result of that spiritual mindset. Now remember, we're talking about actions here. We're being contrasted with the works of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is being contrasted with the works of the flesh. How did these all of a sudden get, into, get to be emotions? So many times we want to apply these as an emotion, as a wonderful, warm, fuzzy thought. But these are the fruit of the Spirit. These are the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. And God is loving, joyful, peace-loving patient, kind, pure, and faithful. Does God have to believe in himself? If this is truly faith, does God and Jesus Christ actually have to believe in himself? No. And we're to be God-like. We're to be Christ-like. We want to bear fruit of the Spirit of God, and that fruit, certainly faith, is absolutely important, and the King James is correct, but I think I firmly believe that faithfulness is a better term here because God is faithful, because Jesus Christ is faithful, and he wants us to be God-like, to be Christ-like in all of our dealings. Deuteronomy 7 and, and 9, Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. God is faithful. God doesn't believe in himself. And he wants us to, be, to have faith. It's elementary to everything we do. But much more than that, he wants us to be faithful in Jesus Christ, the faithful and true witness. Not only faithful, but truthful in that faith. Faithful and truthful as God is with us, and as his son is with us, okay? We're going to talk on faithful, faithfulness today. You notice some of the songs that we've led had that theme in mind, and I appreciate uh, the guys doing that. Thank to Caleb also for the reading. Appreciated that very much. 
He asked a question. Christ asked a question there in verse 43. He said, who then is that faithful and wise steward? What is faithful? We know faith is belief, but what about faithful? Is that merely being full of faith? Sometimes, yeah, absolutely. You must be full of faith to be faithful, absolutely. But let's look at the reading of the morning one more time. Luke 12, verse 35, Jesus speaking to his disciples said, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. What does that mean? (laughs) What does that mean? Historians tell us that these long flowing robes and and the things that the people wore at that time were were a hindrance to activity. So they carried a sash and they would throw a sash around around their waist and that way they could work and do and they pulled. It's the equivalent to us today rolling up your sleeves. It's the equivalent to that and your lamps burning. It required a lot of work. You're trimming the wicks on the lamps. It requires diligence that you're always being aware, making sure your lamp has fuel, that the wicks are trimmed and it's ready to go. Roll up your sleeves and make sure your flashlight has new batteries. Have you ever been caught when the electricity went off in the middle of the night or late in the evening and you're fumbling through the house trying to find the flashlight, then you're fumbling through the house trying to find the batteries? A faithful witness. Roll up your sleeves, tighten up your belt, and make sure your flashlight has fresh batteries. Verse 36, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. No matter what that servant is doing, he's keeping an ear tuned. He's keeping his focus on what if he comes now. Everything he does, his attention is there, isn't it? Verse 37, blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching, watching and waiting. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. He's going, the master is going to come and serve them. Blessings, blessings. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them blessed are those servants. In the dead of night, you got your flashlight, you got your batteries, you got your sleeves rolled up and you're ready to go. No matter when it happens, that is being faithful, brothers and sisters. But know this, verse 39, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all the people? Who exactly are you talking to here, Lord? I know a lot of people that could use this. (laughs) hopefully he wasn't saying that verse 42 who then is that faithful the Lord said who then is that faithful and wise steward when the master will make thee ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season will give them their reward when it comes time who then is that blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. What all is he saying here? What all is he trying to get us to realize this morning? Faithful servant is wise. Number one, who is that faithful and wise servant? He makes that very plain. Is wise is blessed. Blessed and knows he is blessed. Blessed and is thankful for the blessings that he's received blessed and, and recognizes the promise of greater blessings to come. So blessed. 
ready, waiting, got the flashlight, got the sleeves rolled up, the electricity goes off in the middle of the night, I got this. Know where the candles are, know where the little electric lanterns are, we are prepared, got the wicks trimmed and the lamps full of oil. Keeping our, our attention tuned, whatever we're doing, make sure we're doing it with the coming of the master in mind. Waiting, prepared, industrious, energetic in the service of the Lord, energetic in the things that they're doing, being ready for the master. Trustworthy. Not only trustworthy in what they're called to do, but being truthful. Truthful and trustworthy. Reliable, loyal, loyal, unwavering, devoted. We'd go on and on and on. The faithful servant is ready and watching. And faithfulness, I believe, is the key to all of the fruit of the Spirit. Because God is, is asking us to be consistently loving, joyful, and peace-loving. You know, it's pretty easy to be loving once in a while. Can we be known as being loving if I do it occasionally? But most of the time, I'm pretty cantankerous. Am I going to be known as being loving when I do that? It's key because he wants us to be persistently patient and kind. Doesn't mean we won't blow it once in a while, but we need to be known being persistently kind. Unfortunately, I fall short of that so many times. Maybe you do too. Persistently patient and kind, tirelessly pure and virtuous. We want to walk with the Spirit so many times. We want to be led by the Spirit so many times. But once in a while, we just say, Holy Spirit, can we pause right here? I need to go visit with this guy. That guy just cut me off in traffic. I'll be right back. Holy Spirit, I'll be right back. But I'm going to go over here right now. I mean, how often do we do that? Fortunately, more than we should. Persistence, unwavering. The last song we led, Great Is Thy Faithfulness, was taken from the book of, of Lamentations. And I'd like to read a few verses here in Lamentations 3. And you may recall that Jeremiah was a young boy, or a young adult, at least he was a boy, when he was called to be a prophet of God. And for decades, he kept, he was faithful to that calling. But as he got reached a, a, a ripe old age or fairly old, all his warnings were realized. All of the warnings he gave Israel, all the things he tried to do to get them to repent finally came to fruition. They wouldn't repent. They rejected him. They chased him. They tried to kill him. But in uh, 586 BC, Nebuchadnezzar came into Judah and leveled it. Leveled Jerusalem, leveled the temple, all those things. And Jeremiah wrote Lamentations. There's five chapters. And if you haven't read that or haven't read it in a long time, read it. It's, it's incredible mourning of, for five chapters on the things that Jeremiah remembered and the pleasant memories he had of his childhood growing up and of the things of God when they were the children of God. But he stopped in the third chapter. All this lamenting, all this mourning, he stopped in the third chapter. And he remembered the faithfulness of God. And here's what he said. There was a heading I'd like to read right quick. When the Septuagint was translated a couple hundred years before Christ, the Septuagint is the first Hebrew to Greek translation. And when it was translated a couple hundred years before Christ, the translators, the Jews who translated this, 
put this heading above the book of Lamentations. It's not inspired by any means, but I thought it was interesting because it does seem to be in keeping with the historical and scriptural record. And they said it came to pass after Israel was taken captive and Jerusalem was made desolate that Jeremiah sat weeping and lamenting with this lamentation over Jerusalem. So that kind of gives you the context of how he's doing this. But out of all this lament that he's writing, he pauses here in the third chapter. And this is what he says. Lamentations 3, verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore, I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, my soul, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. He's faithful to the faithful. He continues on, verse 26. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly. That's faithfulness, isn't it? For the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Youth is tough. Teenage is tough. And we have people here experiencing that right now. But he says he's been a youth. He's been a prophet of God. He knows all these things. He says it's good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and keep silent because God has laid it on. Let all of us sit alone and be quiet and know the faithfulness of God. Let him put his mouth in the dust. That means to bow so low in worship that you put your mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes him and be full of reproach. Don't be quick-tempered. Don't be angry. It's so easy to do. Even as an old man, it's easy to be angry. For the Lord will not cast off forever. Though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of man. In this man's darkest hour, atrocities, cruelty, injustice that we can't even imagine. He remembered the faithfulness of God and remained faithful himself. Another example in the Old Testament is, is Abraham. Abraham's referred to as the father of the faithful. The father of the faithful, certainly he believed. Can't be a servant of God without belief, but he acted on that belief. Hebrews 11 and verse 8, the Bible says, By faith Abraham obeyed. He believed, but he also obeyed, didn't he? He obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. He didn't have any idea where he was going. He loaded up himself, his wife, his nephew, and their family, and, and left. Where am I going? I don't know. God's going to tell us. Verse 9, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. He went to this foreign country and God said, I'm going to give you this place. And he said, these people don't know that. These are all foreigners and they think I'm the foreigner. They're enemies of mine. They don't know that this actually, this place is mine. He went into a far country as it were his own. Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He waited. He was faithful. His wife, Sarah, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. 
they were faithful because they served a faithful God. Verse 12, therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky and multitude innumerable as the sands which is by the seashore. Abraham and Sarah were faithful to God. They believed, but they also submitted to God. They acted on that faith, obeyed, and were patient and enduring because they knew that God was faithful. It's not about us, is it? We can be faithful because we know God is faithful. We can fulfill the promise of God in us because he's filled, filled all of his promises to us, and there's more to come. We're called to be faithful. As the children of faithful Abraham, we also are called to be faithful. Look at the very beginning when God called out Abram, and here's what he said. Genesis 12 and verse 1, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. When we're faithful to God, to a faithful God, we can be a blessing. We can be a blessing. You ever thought about being a blessing? Being a blessing. We're told, 1 Corinthians 14th chapter says, let all things be done, talking about the assembly, let all things be done unto edifying. We're not here for us. We're not here for us. We're here for God and we're here for each other. Be a blessing. Be a blessing. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Brothers and sisters, are we a blessing to those around about us? Are we a blessing? We're called to be a blessing because we're blessed, but that's not possible if we're not faithful. We can't be haphazard. Well, sometimes I'm nice, and sometimes I'm not so nice. Sometimes I'm good, and sometimes I'm not so good. How much credibility do we have? How much influence do we have? How much of a blessing can we be if we're not faithful? We have a commandment, be faithful. 1 Corinthians 15 and 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed, blessed. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your neighbor, labor is not in vain in the Lord. Steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Pardon me just for a second. Steadfast, immovable, that is faithful, abounding in the work of the Lord. It's not mental good thoughts about God. It's what we do. It's how we treat people. And I'm stepping all over my toes this morning. Maybe I'm stepping on yours too. We're thankful because God gives us the victory. Therefore, through that victory, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. God blesses each one of us so that we can serve him by being a blessing to others. That's what we do. That's what we do. I want to run down a little rabbit hole right now. This week, I saw this church be a blessing. This week, in the last several days, I saw the ladies of this congregation work tirelessly to be a blessing to this community. I saw them take piles and piles of clothes and separate and categorize and advertise and do all the things. They were a blessing to this church and they were a blessing to this community. And people came. It was a busy thing that happened 
It was a wonderful thing. People were appreciative. One particular man kept asking, how much? And they said, no charge. How, how much? No, I'll give to Finally got, got through to him that there was no charge for the clothes. He said, he gave him a card. And he said, here, I want to do something for you. This was meaningful. This was important. People benefited from that. They benefited from it, being faithful to others. We have the example in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, a faithful servant of God. In 2 Corinthians, I believe it's the 10th chapter, he talks about all the things he's gone through and all the things he's had to endure. And I won't read that passage for time's sake. And we've also been studying the book of Acts. We just finished that up and now we're, now we're in James. But the last few chapters talk about Paul, the many trials that he went through before the Sanhedrin, before Felix, before Portius Festus, Festus warning a bribe. Then he ended up being tried before King Agrippa. Over and over again, he's had the, and through this whole mess, he's kept incarcerated. And Christ had made him a promise a while early, maybe even a couple of years earlier, and we read about it in Roman, Christ promised him, you will fulfill your earnest desire to preach the gospel in Rome. He's in jail. He's incarcerated. And he keeps going from one of these trials to the next one. He's going to be killed if he's let loose. So he can't be freed and he, and he can't preach the gospel. And Christ told him, you're going to preach in Rome. Finally, in, verse 20, uh, in the 27th and 28th chapters, of Acts, we have the voyage of Paul to Rome when as a prisoner. And I encourage you to read that because they they're took this ship and they're not making any headway and they're trying to head west from Caesarea all the way up through these little jaunts. And they hit this, they hit this port and they hit this port and they keep, but they're hitting this, uh, fighting this headwind the whole way for weeks and they go. And this is already in the fall, so it's getting late in the year and later in the year. In Acts 27, verse 9 and 10, Paul warns them, this is not the time of the year to be on the high seas. We have to get off the high seas. They were in a place in Crete called Fair Havens. He said, let's winter here. But they didn't listen. Just go on around the, the coast a little way. It's a better place to winter. And as soon as they took off, it hit them. And they're caught by the storm. And they try everything to try to save this ship. They're throwing the wheat, shoveling the wheat over the board. They're taking the tap, tackle and throwing it overboard, trying to lighten the load. They're doing everything they can to try to save the ship. And pretty soon they just huddle together and let the ship go because they had no control. They're being tossed and turned and think they're going to be turned over any minute, night and day for day after day after day. Verse 20 tells us, Acts 27, after many days of seeing near the, nearly sun, neither sun or stars, they gave up all hope of survival. But Paul stands up. He said, fear not. Fear not. The angel of the Lord appeared, to me, appeared unto me tonight and told me that we're all going to make it. The ship's going to be lost. Apparently it's not going to be good because the ship's going to be lost. You better eat. Take strength. Been many days since we've eaten. This man was a blessing. He had tried to get them to not go not go back out to go ahead and winter there in Fair Havens, then they didn't take his advice. Now he tells them, you should have listened, but we're all going to make it if we stick together. We're all going to make it. And sure enough, they lost the ship. But every man on that ship 
was saved. 226 people were saved because of the faithfulness of one man. He was a blessing, wasn't he, brothers and sisters? Are we a blessing to those around us? So many times we see people, ungodly people sometimes, who are blessed because of their close proximity to righteous, faithful Christians. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's an employee. Is there anything more uh, glorifying to God than a faithful employee who helps out that employer, that saves him money, uh, is honest in his dealings, tells the truth? What a great asset. What a great blessing that is to an employer. Paul continued on. They wintered there where they crashed the ship, and he continued to heal and perform miracles to preach and be a faithful blessing to, to God and to others. They finally arrived in Rome, fulfilling Christ's promise to Paul that he would indeed preach the gospel in Rome. It was years after the promise, and he arrived in chains. Not exactly the way we would guess, not exactly the way we would think. Yet he continued to be faithful to God and a faithful blessing to others because God had been faithful to him. And the last letter he wrote from Rome, shortly before he was put to death, was 2 Timothy and the last few verses in the last chapter. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, familiar passage to many of us. He said this, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Kept the faith. Faithful. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day, and not to me only, but to all those who have loved his appearing. What a blessing. What a faithful man. What a blessing he was to those around about him. So how do we do that? How do we remain faithful in an unfaithful world? How do we remain steady, ready? Our sleeves rolled up and batteries loaded in the flashlight and ready to go. How do we do that? How do we do that? First Peter 4, Peter says, very parallel to the fruit of the Spirit here. He said, above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We've received it. We've benefited by it. We've been blessed by it. He tells us to give it. As we have received the gift, that manifold grace of God, minister it to one another. I did see that this week. You ladies have taken the lead on so many things, and thank you for that, for all of your efforts. But he also says, have fervent love. Be hospitable. So we remember God's grace. We extend that grace to others. And finally, we get closer, get closer, closer to God, closer to one another. I never worried about my kids when I talked to them often. Started worrying when I didn't hear from them very much. Sometimes that might have been justified. Sometimes it wasn't. God wants to hear from us. His family wants to hear from us. Want, want to be a blessing there for you. This family does, God does, and we do. Get closer and keep our promises. To be faithful is to be true. The faithful and true witness. Keep our promises. Keep our promises to God. Keep our promises to our fellow man. Keep our promises to this family. Hebrews 10, the Apostle Paul said in verse 23, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he 
who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Build up, encourage, be a blessing, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. Be a blessing, be an encourager, but we have to be close to do that, don't we? Colossians 3 and verse 12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on, be clothed with, be known for tender mercies, kindness, humilities, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We started out. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, faithful to God, faithful to each other. Let's be a blessing. Let's be a blessing. The lesson is yours. Are you a member of the family of God today? Are you a member and a receiver of the blessings of God intended for those faithful who serve him? We offer the opportunity this morning. We have water ready. If you would obey the gospel at this time and be buried with him in baptism, we would love to assist you with that. But if there's something between you and God that you need to pray about, you need to have the prayers of the brethren, we stand here as your servant, ready to assist in any way that we can. If there's a gospel subject in the audience this morning, please come forward, sit on the front row, and let your wishes be known as we stand and sing.